church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted that you're listening to this podcast today. It's been an exciting week in America. Uh, you know, my wife and I joined millions of Americas on the 4th of July to uh, by watching a fireworks display over the Amelia River in Florida. And from our vantage point, uh, we could see fireworks being launched from communities on both sides of the river. It, it you know, for me, uh, watching fireworks uh, has a way of tapping into my patriotism. And frankly, being there with my wife watching the fireworks was kind of a a romantic thing, too, for both of us, I think. You know, throughout the week, I've heard uh, just many comments about freedom on uh, television and on all the Internet sites. And as a veteran, I appreciated the number of times that uh, uh, I heard uh, those in uniform being acknowledged. And that was a nice thing, too. In fact, this morning... When I got up and uh, turned on the television, there was a reporter in the streets of New York, I think, stopping people and asking them, uh, well, what does the 4th of July mean to you? And most of the people answered the question by talking about freedom. Now, I'm not sure they really understood exactly where the freedoms in the United States came from, but they seemed to be aware that the 4th of July was all about uh, uh, freedom. You know, uh, we could ask the question, well, really, what are we celebrating on the 4th of July? And my guess is there's a lot of people who really don't fully understand exactly where the 4th of July celebrations came from and how they started it. You know, the 4th of July is a federal holiday that was uh, enacted and started in 1941. But we have to go all the way back to the 18th century to really understand where and how we began celebrating the 4th of July. And it goes back to the American Revolution. You know, the 13 colonies that existed in 1776 were under British rule, the British Empire. And the impression... The, I should say the oppression, oppression, the oppression and the lack of freedom caused by the British government led to the Revolutionary War in America, which broke out in April 1775, and that war would last until 1783. You know, however, in 1786, delegates from those original 13 colonies came together in what was known as the Continental Congress to consider a declaration of independence, a declaration of independence from British rule. 
is a document largely drafted by Thomas Jefferson. And on July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence. Now, there were festivities, including concerts and bonfires and parades, the firing of cannons and muskets uh, that accompanied the first readings of the Declaration of Independence around uh, various places in those original 13 colonies. The first organized celebration of Independence Day that is, the 4th of July, occurred on July 4th, 1777, the next year, in Philadelphia. A ship's cannon fired 13 cannons in salute of the 13 colonies, and the local newspaper, the Pennsylvania Evening Post, reported at night there was a grand exhibition of fireworks which began and uh, concluded with 13 rockets on the commons, and the city was beautifully illuminated. You know, Americans had begun the tradition to commemorate Independence Day, the 4th of July. And uh, every year since, uh, this has occurred and has helped political leaders create a a feeling of unity in our country. You know, for me personally, I still sense that feeling of unity on the 4th of July. And as I uh, watched people go and come Uh, There seemed to be a feeling of unity that existed, not only in my neighborhood, but uh, neighborhoods close by and across this country. I say that by the things I've watched on TV and seen on the uh, Internet, and I really do think the 4th of July uh, achieves that. Now, if you've never read the Declaration of Independence, the founding document of our nation, you need to do that you find that our nation was founded upon the idea that God created human beings to be free. The Declaration of Independence states that the people are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, much of the work of the Supreme Court is guaranteeing that the liberties promised to us in our Constitution of the United States are not violated. We've seen just recent rulings from the Supreme Court uh, that didn't make everybody in our country happy, but clearly it, it, it reflected the Supreme Court's commitment to protect the people of the United States and their freedoms. Now, we could ask the question, uh, you know, is is freedom just based upon the country where you live? Is that what freedom is all about? The truth is, people have been searching for freedom since the beginning of creation. You know, the quest for freedom is found throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Just three chapters into the story of, uh, of God's creation, mankind gives up their freedom by choosing to rebel against God. And from that time forward, the perfect freedom that God created in the Garden of Eden 
is gone. And uh, long-term effects have been both physical and spiritual. You know, the Old Testament in the Bible records how God's people uh, lost their freedom time and time again from various empires that overtook them, particularly the Egyptians. You know, the loss of their freedom was mostly tied to spiritual disobedience, particularly worshiping false gods. And time and time again, God gave, uh, forgave his people and rescued them. And today, what? And today, what are those false gods? Well, we have to think about power, sex, money, success, possessions, romantic love, false gods in our contemporary uh, society. Now, these things cannot bring fulfillment, uh, and they leave people with an emptiness that causes depression and anxiety, which we're told is at an all-time high in this country. People are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. So, you know, when Christians sing about being shackled by a heavy burden or being chained and set free, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? You know, they're, they're talking about spiritual slavery. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 14 uh, through 25 gives us insight into his own personhood when he wrote these words. Listen to this. Paul wrote, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual and sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I do what I do not want to do. I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, does that ring a bell? <laughs> it, it, do you find yourself like that sometimes? I think we all struggle with those kinds of things. You know, um, C.S. Lewis wrote extensively about knowing right from wrong. And even in a very con convincing way, 
uh, wrote about primitive peoples who know what's right is wrong. So isn't it true of ourselves that sometimes we know exactly what's right, but in spite of that, we do what's wrong? What do we call that? We call that sin. Sin. We don't talk about sin much, do we? But it, that's what it is. You know, the Apostle Paul in uh, Colossians 3, 5 pleads, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which he calls idolatry. That's what we struggle with. And then Peter in 2 Peter 2.19 tells us that the world promises us freedom, but we can become slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person. To that, he is enslaved. And that's really sort of sinful bondage. Sinful bondage. You know, it's been said that it's a short walk from sin to habitual, to habitual sin, to addiction. And people often descend this slippery slope from one level to another without even conscious awareness. You know, when Christians are addicted to sin, or really, that matter for anybody, addicted to sin, there really are four options. One, you can try to minimize it, minimize the sin to keep it from getting worse. And I can tell you, these efforts are doomed to failure. Why? Sin is like cancer. You kill it, or it will kill you. You know, spiritual slaves just, uh, I mean, slaves and sin, you know, they, they live in a, a survival mode. They isolate themselves from help. Healthy relationships become impossible. Or perhaps they try to compartmentalize sin. They try and hide their sin and leave a double life, anxiously hoping that they won't get caught or exposed or found out. Now, let me just be clear here. We're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, being addicted just to substance abuse. We're talking about being addicted to any kind of sin. You know, it may be what you're willing to do for success or what you're willing to do to gain material possessions. All addictions to sin. Now, let me assure you that whatever your sin is uh, and whatever you're in bondage to, you will be exposed. You will be found out. You'll be exposed. Then there may be a third option for those who are spiritual slaves is simply to celebrate, celebrate your new sinful identity and be proud of it, even though you should be ashamed of it. Now, this option, I think, is exemplified by the parades that we have uh, for sinful things when we should be having funerals for those things. 
you know, spiritual slaves really uh, become accountable only to themselves. They repeatedly make poor decisions that are foolish and damaging to themselves and those around them. And a book of Proverbs is simply a treasure chest of wisdom. We call it the wisdom book. It teaches us how to embrace God and learn to apply His ways effectively in our lives. And if you notice, a lot of this wisdom in Proverbs is based on the instruction of a father and mother. For instance, in Proverbs 4.1 we read, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. Now, spiritual slaves live foolishly, and they make choices for the here and now, and gravitate toward, you know, instant remedies. It is a recipe for disaster. You know, sin sinful slaves have cultivated their own standards, and so you often hear the response, don't go there. Have you heard someone say that to you before? When you might raise a question about something, and they simply say to you, don't go there. Don't go there. We really cannot, however, omit the truth that God is a father who corrects his children. Without proper correction, God says that you're not even his child, but an illegitimate child, an outsider. Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. You know, uh, it, this, this rejection of God has consequences. And the fourth option for a, pen, uh, a sinful slave is to seek liberation and the freedom that God intends for you by killing what is killing you. You know, when Jesus began his short period of ministry on the earth, he announced that he was the one that God's people had been waiting for since the fall of humanity. He did this by reading a particular passage from the book of Isaiah, a passage his listeners knew was referring to the uh, Messiah, the Savior of the world. The words had been written hundreds of years earlier and spoke of a new freedom a new freedom that was coming. So when Jesus stood up in the synagogue to read, he was saying the future had arrived, that liberty would come through him. And Jesus read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Luke 4, 7 through 21. Now, a few days ago, I asked one of my sons what came to mind when he thought of a spiritual freedom. He immediately said that it was the good news that faith in Jesus Christ 
frees us from the death we deserve for sinning against God. It frees us from the punishment that will be afflicted upon us at the end of our lives for evil things that we have thought and done. Yes, the Scripture tells us, even we don't want to hear it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here we see this is John 3.16. Uh, people, you know, put this everywhere. Believers put this everywhere. For God has so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is one of our greatest freedoms. You know, followers of Jesus still battle sin, but they're no longer slaves to it. Through the power of Jesus Christ, his people can be set free from the bondage of greed and vanity, pride, pornography, abusive behavior, gluttony, selfishness, all the other sins that you can think of. We can be set free. Now, here's what Jesus said about the freedom he offers. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. John 8, 31, 32. God didn't create robots. We're not robots. No, we're human beings. And we don't have to accept the freedom he offers us through Jesus Christ. You know, I have uh, had the opportunity to minister to people who will just openly acknowledge to me that uh, they believe in God and they know who Jesus Christ is, but they are not ready to follow him. And the reason they give me is they're not willing to make any changes in their life. And he gives each person the free will to uh, accept or reject his freedom and salvation. And you don't hear this talked about in churches too much, but the Bible warns us that hell is a real, a real place where real people end up when they knowingly reject the truth. Knowingly reject God and Jesus Christ. Now, those who choose to follow Jesus Christ, we're not forced to obey him at every turn. But God makes it clear that the best life is the one that is devoted to honoring him. In John 14, 15, Jesus tells us, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And of course, the reverse is true. If you don't love me, you will not be striving to keep my commandments. Now, yes, we all stumble and make mistakes, but Jesus is willing to pick us up and forgive us when we ask. Now, as I get close to the conclusion of this uh, podcast, let me quote Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, when you find freedom in following Jesus Christ, you will experience the excitement of that and the uplifting freedom that you feel by giving everything to Jesus. I met a lady just this morning when I was out walking, and we were talking about uh, faith, and, and she said this to me. She said, you know, faith is really about surrender, surrendering your all to Jesus. And, you know, uh, God doesn't leave us wondering um, how to grab hold of the freedom he offers. Uh, you know, from cover to cover, the Bible is pointing to freedom in Jesus. And it starts by acknowledging our brokenness and admitting that we, like even the Apostle Paul, are slaves to sin. And it, and the Bible instruction ends by allowing us to choose Jesus and following him daily, recognizing that only he, only he and the Holy Spirit can break the bonds of slavery and lead us to true freedom. So I pray that all of you who are listening today to this podcast enjoy true freedom that following Jesus Christ brings. So I hope you had a happy 4th of July and an exciting week this week. And I hope that you are sensing true freedom in your life. May God bless you.